0: Welcome to the Apex Anthologies Podcast. I'm your host, Philip Osterday. We know that life and being on mission can be overwhelming, so our prayer is that the Apex Anthologies Podcast gives you a moment to breathe, sit at Dad's feet, learn a little bit more about Jesus, and let his spirit comfort you. Today marks the last episode about the overall structure of Apex. We'll be discussing our gatherings in Kettering and Xenia. We figured it would be helpful to separate the two gatherings into two different episodes. That way, you can hear the heart of all of our ministry leaders. In this episode, we'll be talking with Kevin Bowman, our family ministry team lead.
1: But it is an opportunity where even from a two-year-old through someone who's 102, can come together and say, all these people are part of the kingdom of God. All these people are part of this family that I am part of. And Phil Wing, the gathering team lead
2: nothing that the church does really is trying to help you check off a list and feel like you've done something good the purpose of the church is to help you understand you can't be good on your own you need jesus to be good for you in every area of life
0: we begin by asking phil the question what did apex gatherings look like when we first started
2: (laughs) well some things were similar many things were very different (laughs) uh i mean back then we 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 got the the pleasure of being a ministry before we started as a church, Mm -hmm. so we had been used to gathering already before we actually planted. Which a lot of church plants don't get that that advantage, but we did. So we had been meeting already. So like when we planted a church, we started with a band. You know, we started with um, ministry teams and servant teams. Like we had all that already. We didn't have to build that on day one. That was a lot of that was there because. We were a ministry of another church mm-hmm. for a long time already. Yeah. And then, when so, we, so when we planted and started our gatherings, um, I mean, uh, our services were two hours long. That's <laughs> wow. one probably important thing to look at. Uh, the, and this goes right along with it. They were two hour long services, and we didn't have that many kids. Hmm. And that's why they could be two hours yep. long. Uh, <laughs> so, kids' ministry. Uh, right early on, it kind of looked like all of our kids basically could fit in one class, you know? Um, but it it grew quickly, I mean, in that first year. And then, I mean, in that very first year, we actually started a more specific kids ministry called Kids Town, Mm -hmm. uh, where they kind of did like a little production type thing, Mm -hmm. like little kind of skits and games and all this stuff with characters and all that stuff (laughs) to reach the kids. And that actually caused... Kids ministries to start to grow quite a bit in terms of um, attendance uh, and that obviously when people start paying attention that there's stuff for their kids, then that means a lot more people are interested in the church yeah. so um, we I think as a whole church picked up steam a lot in that first year, mainly because of the way that people were in learning to invest in kids hmm. um, that was a pretty big deal um. But our gatherings, I mean, we had, a, we had a rock band. Back then, we probably played more, it felt like Southern rock. The guy who was the worship leader before, like when we were a ministry, was like straight out of the third day school of music, oh, you know? Yeah. And uh, so everything was kind of a little bit more Southern rock sounding. We had a whole lot of like formerly 80s musicians and all that kind of stuff, you know, so... There was fun things like that, but man, we had good preaching, like Mm -hmm. we had good preaching right from the start. That was one of the blessings we were able to start with. And, um, yeah, so some things are similar. Like we still value the word the same way we did then. We still value singing together as a church the way that we did then. We still value baptisms and all that. Like that was all in place, like right when we got started, which was great. It's just kind of grown and solidified
0: more and more as we've gotten older. Yeah. Maybe you guys can get a little bit more specific. So, what is
1: what does it look like now compared to what it did back then? Well, if I can hop in here, um, Sunday mornings at nine and eleven is when our gathering times are, mm-hmm. and uh, during those uh, gathering times at both services, we have an infant through three year old department, a four five and K department, an elementary department known to most people as uh, Kid Life, which is grades one through five. Mm-hmm. And then at uh, 9 a.m. is when we do the middle school, that's grades 6 through eighth. We do have high school ministry here, but that does happen Sunday evening. But that's pretty much what our Sunday mornings look like.
2: So you're saying you can't fit in one room anymore. Is that what I'm
1: hearing? (laughs) No, we cannot. No, we cannot.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, if you think about like back then, that first year, we met in a school building. We rented a, a school building's gymnasium. And uh, so we were setting up and tearing down every day or every week, including everything for kids and all that stuff. I mean, we were setting up and tearing down everything that we did. So obviously, I mean, things look quite a bit different now in terms of just how it looks and feels now, because it's been nearly 17 years and uh, God blessed us to be able to have a facility like this. So. They're able to do a whole lot more with kids in terms I mean, Kevin, you just went through the specified areas, like even being able to specify like that, we couldn't have dreamed of that in 2002, you know, and the fact that we're there now is awesome. And then the same thing in terms of gatherings now, you know, we are able to do a lot with gatherings now that we couldn't do then simply because... Gatherings back then were limited to like a two hour time frame on a Sunday morning because mm-hmm. that's all we could have the gym for in a yeah, school building, right. you know, and over the years we've been able to develop it much more and more and facility doesn't drive all that but facility sure helps, you know, <laughs> Yeah. Um, so now when you come into a gathering at apex now, I mean, um, you'll hear I sure hope and I think <laughs> Philip is part of the reason for this, but <laughs> you will hear something that sounds a whole lot better than it did in 2002, uh, uh, both even in the way that we, it, how you how you receive preaching. I mean, what we're able to do you know, to kind of support the preaching of the word, what we're able to do to support singing uh, together, the way we celebrate baptisms together as a church. I mean, we were still kind of learning things back then, but even celebrating baptisms is probably one of the things that's most different now than then, because back then, we were just figuring it out and it was partway through maybe that first or second year that we learned like let's really celebrate baptism yeah. together yeah. not just do it but celebrate it mm. there was a time at some point first or second year where baptisms would happen and there were white towels that were handed out to people for them to wave in the air <laughs> while they <laughs> shouted and celebrated That's i mean great. it yeah, you you thought you just walked into a Pentecostal revival, <laughs> you know, uh because uh baptism was happening. So we learned how to celebrate it and mm-hmm. so now when you come into a gathering and you see baptism, part of our culture yeah. is the celebration of baptism. Is people get baptized and everybody stands yeah. and shouts and claps and you know, just starts singing. It's like it's just part of what's there. So over the years we were developing things early on that now we've been able to make part of our culture. Yeah. Which is really cool so our gathered worship culture here uh primarily centered around the gospel and hopefully you interact with that from the time you walk in the door and meet our frontline team Mm -hmm. to checking your kids in for classes to singing songs to hearing sermons to hearing testimonies like we've just heard in a few of them in the recent weeks like Mm -hmm. just incredible testimonies of god's work in people and so um yeah it's pretty pretty cool significant how the lord has grown it
0: oh yeah uh so maybe let's just get into a little bit of the philosophy of why we do things so what what exactly is the purpose of our gatherings why why do we even have them
1: well i think one a real the the real bible answer could be that we're encouraged by the scripture to do so to come together i think uh as a uh, network of house churches we have a lot of different groups around the town that uh, you know, we are all part of this big body, this big family of Christ, and the weekend affords that opportunity to see what all that body looks like when mm-hmm. it comes together, all this network coming together. And uh, obviously there's time where we sing and worship, and that's not necessarily the exact same thing. You know, you can worship in a variety of ways. But it is an opportunity where um, even from a 2-year-old through someone who's 102 can come together and say, all these people are part of the kingdom of God. Yeah. All mm-hmm. these people are part of this family that I am part of. And I think that's at least some of the reasons why we come together, or people yeah. want to come together. Yeah. I mean, our, our
2: weekend gatherings, are a, they're a little picture of what God has been doing on the whole, I mean, that He's been doing since, you know, since He came. You know, yeah. since Jesus came into this world, part of what he has been doing has been uniting all men unto himself. Yeah. He has been reconciling all things into himself. So we come into a gathering and we get a little picture. So unlike that, like 10,000 foot view, one of the things that's really cool is you look around the room and you go kind of like what Kevin just said. You look around the room and you go, man, look at all these people that God has done a similar work in. Yeah. yeah. And many who haven't, who haven't experienced that work of the mm-hmm. Lord yet, but they're here for some reason, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, so on one hand, I think that one of the purposes of our gatherings is to, is, is on that big picture level to just kind of like, we need the regular reminder that God is doing something much bigger than just individual us, yeah. but I'll make Kevin real happy by, I'm going to use a sports analogy here <laughs> that and what's really funny is that I'm one of the least sports guys on staff, but you know, we, our gatherings, uh, Some people might say that they're a little bit like the huddle, you know, and I would say maybe our house churches are a little bit more like the huddle. It's kind of where you come together with a specific group to go out and execute a specific play. Mm -hmm. That's like what our house churches are. I think our gatherings are like the locker room talks that happen before the game Mm -hmm. and during halftime and the way that you regroup with people after the game's over, that kind of stuff. I think our gatherings serve purpose for us to cast a vision to the entire team, Not just the people who are doing a specific play in a specific place, but to the entire team for us to say, hey, this is who God is. This is what he has done in us. This is the mission we have in the world. Let's go do it together. And like like a coach would, you know, like charging up the team with what matters and what is to be accomplished. And so every time we gather, part of what we are doing is to say, hey, follower of Jesus, he has adopted you. He has welcomed you into his family, and as part of his family, you get to be part of his kingdom advancing. So go and be a part of it. So bringing people together to see the Lord, but
0: also commissioning them out to do his work. Yeah. Uh, Help us understand how FM and gatherings fit into the mission and vision of
1: Apex. Sure. Now, again, given that we've mentioned that we are a network of house churches, I've Philip, I just thought of some really basic things. It's maybe not that philosophical, yeah. but it's practical, which yeah. should reflect the philosophy. Uh, one of the things that we do in FM is that in about all of our teaching settings, and that's whether they're two or a teenager, um, we teach in small group settings, mm. which is a reflection of what we're trying to do in our house churches with with you we know, 20, 25 people, and then we have quads out of that. So we feel like that one of the ways we're carrying out the mission is at least giving children and teenagers an opportunity to function and fellowship and learn from one another in these small group settings like we expect them to do or be part of in a house church. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think we all yeah. see that connection there. Yeah. Um, part of, again, of how we're helping fulfill the mission is we think it's through resourcing parents, mm-hmm. You know, there are things where, um, where this is like an, a mantra of FM, I'm getting ready to say, and the guys <laughs> in this room know what I'm getting ready to say. But we firmly believe that the biblical directive is that parents are the primary disciples of their children. Yeah. That should be the people who introduce their children to Christ. They should be the people modeling what it means to be a believer in front of them. And what we always say to our uh, parents is that we, we the challenge is, we don't want you to look at your kids just as your sons or your daughters. But so a look at these children as current or future brothers and sisters in Christ. Mm-hmm. And so in a, uh, a work that is out to reach our local area and extend beyond 10 miles and 20 miles and 30 miles, we believe that parents are always part of that and children being part of that vision is that we're learning in a small setting. We're learning from one another. We're, we're building a community. We're trying to not mimic, but at least represent that, commit, that, uh, that type of commitment to one another. Mm-hmm. So in our resourcing process, as we've taught the parents, this is your job. You are number one here. Then the parent will say, well, how do I do this? Well, we have a a resource center out in the kids' check in area. And it's one of the ways we provide people with materials that you can use this. You can take this home. You can read this with your children. It's not that they have to hear it from the preacher up front or the volunteer who's on stage in kid life, but you, the parent. And we believe that if we're teaching and we're fostering a culture of discipleship here, that discipleship has to start at the home. You know, we have a lot of quality adult classes for people, we, foundations and other things, Old Testament studies and all this. But discipleship really does need to begin in your home. Mm-hmm. And that's your training, your disciples to become disciple makers. Um, we also, in the, in the sense of resourcing parents, we, we have sp- specific events like a dad-daughter dance. Mm-hmm. You know, how is it that is we are trying to reach culture are we teaching other people, not necessarily believers, like value your child? Your child's important. Yeah. So, as you as a father, how should you be responding to your daughter or a mother? What values are you supposed to be extending to them? So, anything that we do, and even in terms of an event, a, a camp out, a cookout, is about the com- the idea of community, mm-hmm. and that you're discipling your child to look for that community, to be part, to invite others into that. And finally, I would just say uh, we specifically try to encourage, uh, for lack of a better term here, not to overuse this term, but missional opportunities for mm-hmm. parents and children be involved in it, and that could be anything from teenagers doing a specific event to what is a big deal here, and that's Operation Christmas Child, mm-hmm. where everyone in your home, you sit down with a child, and you know, you tell your daughter, you know, there's someone on the other end of this planet that this is something they need and to see the wonder in a child's eyes when you put a washcloth in this box Hmm. and it's like why mom Hmm. because over there way beyond our picket fence way beyond our neighborhood our school is a child that doesn't have a bar of soap, a child that doesn't have a a washcloth and so i'm saying that events like that that we want to as part of the mission and vision of apex reaching the world even as a small child, to say we can put a handful of things in a box, mm-hmm. and that's there's other things that we do here at the church, obviously, but it's a simple, understandable thing that a child can do. So we're trying to incorporate that child at an early age, and we're trying to incorporate their parent as a discipler to yeah. be the one to show them how to do this. To look beyond our four walls. Mm-hmm.
2: So that's kind of, I mean, when it comes to kids, part of what you're constantly doing with kids is you're trying to speak into a perspective that they may not be ready to have yet but you're trying to build healthy th- structures there so that when they can embrace a perspective or a value like that they're seeing they're seeing something that doesn't look dissonant they're seeing something that makes sense cuz they're be- they're able to go okay yeah th- oh i get it now and that's why we've always done this 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 and this that's why when the church gathers and they teach us as kids this and this that's why oh it makes sense so you're like building in them Healthy rhythms, and especially I love the way that you, you talked about, one of the primary things that FM does is trying to reach into families, not just kids, but families as a whole. And I think about like our mission as a church to make and multiply disciples is like part one of our mission, right. and family ministry is basically the fruit of Christians multiplying. you yeah. know yeah. so <laughs> so they're, they're already fulfilling the mission just on that, yeah. <laughs> uh, but making and multiplying disciples. Uh, with the gospel of Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what we say our church's mission is. Mm-hmm. So when I think of how our gatherings fit into that, um, one, I think that the gospel is the primary driving motivator for everything that we do when we gather. Mm-hmm. And so um, when we draw men when we draw, when when not we, sorry, when God draws all men to Himself mm-hmm. through the power of the gospel, when He draws people to Himself, He's doing so uh, to show them they're part of something bigger than themselves. Mm-hmm. So when, like you you said, it, some of this is a reiteration, but when when Apex gathers, we are doing a small picture of what the Lord does, yeah. how He draws people to Himself and He reconciles. So I think part of what we do in fulfilling the mission of the church is. One, we try to paint a little picture of what it means to actually do something through the power of the gospel, mm. through, or sorry, through the lens of the gospel by the power of the Spirit. So everything that we do in our gatherings, hopefully, if we're doing it well, <laughs> if we're doing it right, uh, will be through, uh, will be with the gospel of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I think part of how we are part of the disciple making process is that. Uh, one advantage we have to being an American church, and I know there are tons of disadvantages about the American church, but one advantage is Americans are—they're used to talking about church on a Sunday morning. Yeah. And yeah. even though we know church goes far beyond a Sunday morning, mm. uh, Americans are used to talking about that. Mm. So when someone when someone starts to get little hints of saying, "Man, I need that. I need whatever the Lord is, whatever that is." There's a good chance that, especially in our Midwestern area, like, many people will say, man, I need to go to church on Sunday. And our hope is that they'll come and they'll see, like, hey, it really isn't just about attending somewhere on Sunday. This is actually about the gospel of Jesus Christ Mm -hmm. through the power of the Spirit, and you're being offered that, you know? And so I think as an open door to the community, as an open door to to people who are struggling in their faith, but then also, again, like that locker room charge uh, for the followers of Jesus, I think that's part of how we are part of the process of making and multiplying disciples. Mm. And then we do that by constantly putting the gospel on display mm. every
0: gathering. That's good. I'm about to say a curse word for Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> Get, ready yeah. be. Get ready to beat. Get ready podcast, yeah, it's about to go crazy. I know. Uh, but so... FM is not just child care, I hear. So how, do, how does FM do that? How do you guys go beyond just being child care?
1: Um, this is a very, uh, it, it's a repeated joke here around here. Uh, when I got here nine years ago, uh, we had, uh, there'd been an explosion of children over the many years, as Phil said, over the 17 years, uh, mm-hmm. just more and more kids came and for a lot of good efforts through a lot of people way before I got here but at times in the volunteer recruitment process it was like people would people would say i just don't want to sit back there with a bunch of screaming kids mm-hmm. and you know and if that's your view of what we do, then I understand your reluctance to do that. (laughs) Yeah, sure. But when you begin seeing these children as current or future brothers, sisters in Christ, Mm. then all of a sudden you realize you're sowing into their lives just by even hugging a child, by repeating things like, hey, I love you, God loves you. You know, you don't have to teach them a sermon. So when I hear the word childcare and, you know, within FM, I think I fined people before for using that term in front of me.
2: (laughs) It's because it's
1: not because we don't care about your child, it's because we are here to minister to your child. We're here to minister their soul. And what we view, and as much as we love the preaching and the gathering and the music and so forth, uh, what we're doing with the two-year-old's is just as important as what's happening with everyone out in the, the gathering. And I'm happy to be at a, a place where so many of our staffers feel so strongly that way. It's an encouragement to me. So as part of this, it comes down to, so what do we do to make sure it's going beyond mm. a notion of child care, okay? Yeah. And by the way, I have been known to correct people, even a visitor. No, it's not child care. It's kids ministry. So, you know, get that one out there. But, but here's, here's one of the things, here's a few of the things we try to do here, Phil. We try to incorporate the parents in what we do. Now, this is very practical, but we have these weekly handouts that we give to the parent, and this is, this is what we talked about this week. So they can go home, and they can ask Johnny or Susie or Ezekiel or one of these names I can't pronounce here anymore,
2: because
1: we have some fun names here with our kids, it's just um, this, this is what we talked about today, Mom and Dad, and Mom and Dad can read that or Grandma or whoever might be the primary uh, guardian of that child, and they can reflect. They can reflect on biblical truth, specific verses. You know, it was just recently in a gathering we had a man give a p- powerful testimony, and he was talking about it at one of the lowest moments of his life. He was reminded of verses he had learned in an Awana hmm. class yeah, years right? ago. yeah. yeah, yeah. And in a critical decision, formative moment in his life, all the way back to when he was a child, something that had been planted in him, you know, God's word did not return void in his case. So we incorporate the parents. We let them be part of what we're doing in those classrooms. Um, we have things, and again, this might seem pretty technical to those of you out there listening. You might be thinking, "Am I getting ready to get a primer on VBS uh, popsicle <laughs> sticks and glue?" But but we have bi-monthly crafts and bi-monthly activities that allow the child just not to hear someone tell a story about Noah or Moses, but they're experiencing it. They're creating something. They're taking that home, and you know, with it's a very hands-on experience. Now, one of the fun things we do here. And I always tell people my job is fun. They don't let me do the fun stuff so much anymore because they just won't let me. But, But for example, we'll take out a huge blue tablecloth and we will teach kids about Moses being taken across the Red Sea. And so these kids are getting to be able to walk across this tablecloth. And it's like, you know, you lift up the ends and here's how God lifted the waters up. And these guys walked across on dry ground. And right at a moment when the the Israelites thought they were in trouble and there was no help and there was no way out, God took care of them. And they're able to, in a hands-on way, experience this. Now, I'm not sure how we handle drowning all the Egyptians later (laughs) in a nice, kind way, but we do the whole story here. So... And so, for example, even in like uh, 4, 5, and K area, one of the favorite characters down there is Nehemiah. Okay, and we're working on one of our next units, and in this Nehemiah is here. And, and for those who don't know, Nehemiah is a guy that sees the old town of Jerusalem's all torn down, the walls are all messed up, and he's going to rebuild the wall. And and the truth of it is, one of the stories we tell, all that we use these styrofoam rocks and we use all these cardboard bricks, and we're helping build this wall and we're having these people, you know, they're, they're trying to knock the wall down. They're trying to, to stop Nehemiah from doing this. And in that very practical setting, we really are showing kids how that God protects us, even when there's things as a young child, because a young child needs to feel safe, right? Mm. You as a parent or whoever, you're, you're providing that safety around them. But in a spiritual realm, there are times when even a young child can be very sensitive to, hey, there's something here that doesn't feel right. Mm. And I think uh, one of the things we're doing to go far beyond just watching a kid is allowing them to have a biblical truth presented, a biblical truth experienced that they leave there knowing God is with me. Mm. God is protecting me. And so that's far beyond uh, changing a diaper or just giving some uh, those famous fish that we hand out or crackers or whatever. Hmm. Um one of our really big goals is for a child to be able to go home and talk to their parents about this. Mm-hmm. That is one of our goals, not just that you can quiz them to see if the volunteer did their <laughs> job that day. But we've had more than one parent say, hey, you know, I got this question today for my kid. I don't know the answer. Mm. And nothing uh, pleases us more when we get an email that says, you know, I'd always thought this was what happened. I had to go home, get my Bible out and realize I'd been telling that story the wrong way to my child. Mm. Yeah. And so here again even as a child to know that we are we are sowing into that child during the time they're in our gathering ministries where it's I need to search for God's truth. It's not just the fact that this person told me or maybe even my mom told me. Mm. It's like this is what God's word says and when we get a whole family searching God's word for the truth, we think we we're definitely well beyond the range of of watching children. Mm. So honestly guys when parents understand that we want to resource them, we want to educate them, we want to challenge them to be just as fluent with this Bible lesson as the teacher was who prepared it that week, um, we just don't even think of it in terms of child care. Yeah. We think of it as we are ministering to the child, to the parent, to their family, and we're we're encouraging them to take that knowledge and to respond to the Lord based upon accurate knowledge not just they came to church and they were told not to do this list of things or you better do this things. It's like this is what God's book says, mm-hmm. and this is what God's told me in his book, so I need to respond to that truth that's there, that the truth that's not changing. So that's a big way we look way beyond babysitting or anything mm-hmm. like that in what we do. So,
2: And as a man who's had five kids go through that <laughs> family ministry at different stages, all of which still in some ver- some form of student ministry kids ministry at Apex I mean you guys definitely th- there is there is no understanding of like hey just drop the kids off in the nursery mm-hmm. you know like that 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 doesn't even make sense at Apex because of the way that you guys have raised the bar on seeing every opportunity with a kid as a disciple making opportunity mm-hmm. and so I mean I see it every week. My kids are the ones coming home asking me all those questions. And I'm like, "Hey, let me see your handout real quick. What does it say?" You know. So, and and some of the resources you guys you we have many house churches taking those sheets that you guys give the parents every week and they're basing their like how they're walking through stuff with the kids in their house church on those things that you give in, are given out on Sundays and so they really I mean all if, if again, if we're doing it well, all those things are really working together well. And so Sometimes they very much are, and I think that's like one of the examples where they are.
1: And, and Phil, if I can throw one other thing in here, I, I, when I think about some of the people who uh, work within FM and then some of our volunteers, I think one other way that people uh, see what we do beyond childcare or whatever is that that on a given gathering morning, we are. I, I believe that so many of our people are sensitive to seeing the needs that exist. You know, just a couple weeks ago, we had a mom. I think she had three kids by herself. She's got a you know a carrier in one hand, a bag in another, and one of our ladies said, "Hey, let me let me walk back out to the car with you. You know, I'll help you get there." In other words, we want parents to know that we're trying to recognize the needs in their life, mm. and you know, when we have a lot of personal attention through regular volunteers or staffers who are in certain uh, places the the, the the every week. They're realizing this person kind of understands that I'm part of their little community here. So at 9 a.m. in the four, five, and K, uh, whoever's uh, leading down there, it's like, oh, so did he go, did Janie go to the doctor this week? What did the doctor say? Mm -hmm. I heard you got a new puppy. Or Mm -hmm. even then, like, uh, I heard your grandpa passed away, mm-hmm. and he, you know, he's in heaven now, and and had that chance to talk about those things. So I think just to, to finish off this segment, Phil, is that I think one of the, th- the things that we do that goes way beyond the childcare is we're uh, we're, we're trying to recognize the needs that exist within our body,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, we just want people to know that we are there for them if they, if they want to engage us, or at least we are willing to help them uh, find the help or counsel they need. Sure. for that purpose, yeah. so. Uh, Phil, can you
0: just, uh, on a different note, can we talk about what is the role of, uh, let's do music and sermons in our gatherings. Why, why do we do that the way that we do? Oh, man, I love talking about this. <laughs> uh, and putting music and
2: sermons together is actually kind of helpful because uh, both, I mean, n- nobody nobody is surprised by the fact that sermons are a form of teaching, Mm. a form of like trying to not just educate, but trying to inform the heart and mind, um, of who the Lord is and how he works, how he comes to us in relationship. I mean, that's, no one is surprised by that with preaching, but, uh, with Apex, we would say that we very much see our music, uh, as a, as a partner in that teaching. Mm. Um, that's why we, we tend to be extremely picky on our lyrics uh, of the songs that we sing because we really do want to see every song that we sing as a teaching moment. Uh, because, I mean, think about it. Like, if I were to ask you, like, what's the last song that got stuck in your head, the last, like, annoying radio song or dumb <laughs> hook that got stuck in your head, you could probably rattle it off and be like, oh, that stupid Taylor Swift song that <laughs> couldn't get out of my head. Or that, you know, that you there would be some, like, because music does a thing in the brain, it like just chemically, music does something in the brain. Uh, in there's, I mean, there's all kinds of names for it, but it basically it causes your brain to receive information in a different way. Yeah. It wants music helps you want information. So when we put core biblical truths in songs, we actually help our church family want to learn them more and remember them better. Mm. Just because of the science of the brain, mm. so that's part of why we see our music as a as as partnering in the teaching arm, you know, of of our gatherings, and so we want to sing songs that allow people to remember them through the week and go, that is a gospel truth that I need, mm. that is a gospel reality that I am not seeing right now, and I need to see it right now. So. Um, In terms of the role that they play, I think they are both—they are both primarily teaching roles. Mm -hmm. Uh, But music has this cool, kind of unique thing that it does, which is music is culturally a unifier. Mm -hmm. Um, Even though everyone has seven thousand opinions of music, (laughs) and we get comment cards every week with everybody's opinions on music, (laughs) music, music—if all it takes is you to go to, you know, just go to any music festival anywhere. It doesn't, I mean, it doesn't even matter how bad the band sounds on stage half the time. Mm -hmm. You'll still find a group of people who have come together to sing those songs. Like music is a unifier because it's one of the only times that the church all speaks the same language at the same time. Mm -hmm. So there's a really unique, like beautiful thing that happens there when the church sings together. Over and over and over, we're taught in scripture to sing, Mm -hmm. sing songs, sing songs, sing hymns. We're... That's it mentioned in scripture a lot. Mm-hmm. Part of the reason is because of the way it helps build. It helps build people together, yeah. in a small little way. You're doing the same thing at the same time. You're joining. You're joining on the same page with somebody, whether you realize it or not. Yeah. So I think there's a unifier there. And then, <clears throat> um, I mean, and specifically in our preaching, you know, we we have our greatest desire in preaching here at Apex is that we would help the people of Apex know the word of God. Mm -hmm. So that's why primarily we do expository preaching, Mm -hmm. which is taking a specific passage of scripture and letting the passage determine everything that we're saying, letting the passage determine what it is that we're focusing on, as opposed to like a topical approach where we just kind of say, hey, I want to talk about marriage. Here's the 14 verses that talk about marriage. Mm -hmm. You know, We will say, hey, this is what James one, one through five says. This is what the Lord is communicating to us through it. This is what it means for us as a church. We do that on purpose because we feel like the, the, the church is strongest when it knows the word of God. Yeah. So we preach that way on purpose again, as a, as a, as a point of teaching the church to love and embrace the words
0: that the Lord has given us. Mm. Uh, as a person on staff, I hear this word liturgy (laughs) quite a bit. Uh, I know what it means, but a lot of people probably don't. Uh, So can you maybe explain what is liturgy and then uh, how does that fit into our gatherings?
2: Yeah, you say that as a person on staff, you hear that word a lot, but most of our church probably doesn't as much. Like The fact that Apex actually has a liturgy that we follow every weekend when we gather will be a surprise to some of the people of our church. Mm -hmm. But um, to all of us leaders who are planning it, we know Liturgy, as a word, liturgy really just means. I guess it's a it's an original definition is the work of the people. So mm. it's what the people do when they come together. Mm. Uh, so, it throughout church history, liturgy basically means what's the form, what's the flow of what you do when you gather, yeah. uh, what drives it. And so, when Apex first started, our our liturgy wasn't intentional as much as it was like based on a feel that yeah. we wanted to create. Mm. We wanted to start fun and up, and we wanted to slowly move towards serious as we got to the sermon. Mm. That way people were primed and ready, mm. you know, to hear the word. <laughs> and then after the sermon, that's when we hit him with the most serious of the songs. <laughs> and because you know, every sermon has to result in, in, in tears. <laughs> and you know so uh, <laughs> just, so that, that was kind of like we were just trying to create this like emotional flow, mm. really. And I say we, like me. That's what I was doing when we started. And I didn't even realize it, but that's kind of what I was doing. And over time, I think we got good at certain things, and so the things we got good at determined what our flow was and determined what we were going to do and all that kind of stuff. And it wasn't until, I mean, sometime into that I started realizing, like, well, Phil, you base the gatherings around the way you feel. It's definitely not based around the gospel, so... You know, so there was like a lot of conviction there for me, just even in thinking through what is determining why we do what we do. And like, because I'm the guy who gets to help choose that. So there was a lot of conviction there for me. But thankfully, the Lord just kind of slowly and very patiently started pointing us towards this direction of like actually taking time to think through what is our liturgy and why. And man when you ask when you as a believer when you start to ask the lord lord what is the healthiest thing that we can as the church that we can that we can gather for what is the healthiest thing we can offer to both believers and unbelievers what we do? I mean your answer will always come back to the gospel yeah. yeah the gospel is the only thing that every unbeliever and every believer needs yeah. like yeah. they all need it so our liturgy now we have a four part liturgy that we follow every time we gather um and some some liturgies are way more in depth than that. Ours, Apex is pretty laid back about <laughs> most of what we do. So our four part liturgy is chosen to be just four parts, honestly, because it's a way that we can be liturgical and not feel unlike our family. Yeah, you know, yeah. so we have a four part liturgy right now that looks like every time we start a gathering, we intentionally try to raise the attention to who is God, mm-hmm. a holy Creator God. That's the first thing we want people to to see when they come into a gathering. Whether it's through a song or a scripture reading or something, we want to we want to right away say there is a holy God who made us. Uh, he, he, aside from us, he's awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. that's just who he is. So that's our first phase every time. And the next part is that when we see that holy God, I mean, we our 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 second part is that we see we are not holy, mm-hmm. we're not him, we we can't be like him and we it helps us reveal our own sinfulness and our brokenness and so we move from holy god to broken sinful people and then man that kind of puts you at a conundrum there's <laughs> a holy god there's these broken people what are we supposed to do about that yeah. the answer is Jesus. Mm -hmm. Jesus is the third part. And that may sound so funny, but redemption through Jesus is something that we have to focus on every time that we gather. And it's kind of nice that like there's thousands of songs written about redemption through Jesus. So (laughs) that's helpful. (laughs) But whether, again, whether it be through readings or songs or our sermons even fit into that flow, like whatever that might be, uh, that third part is calling out like, yeah, there is a holy God and you are a broken, sinful people. And the only way that the two can know each other is by Being redeemed by Jesus. Mm -hmm. And then when you realize that this holy God has redeemed a sinful, broken people, the natural response is to offer ourselves over. Mm -hmm. And so we always finish the fourth part of our liturgy every week. We always finish with a response of worship and mission, which is (laughs) us saying, Mm If the Lord has done that, oh my word, how can I not rejoice? How can I not want to be a part of what he's doing? So that fourfold approach is what's kind of guiding our gatherings every time. So again, like sermons, songs, uh, testimonies and stories, baptisms, a lot lot of even our announcements, all that kind of... We're really trying to fit everything into this idea of retelling the good news of the gospel every time that we gather. Mm -hmm.
0: We talked a little bit about how FM is not childcare. Mm-hmm. That's a wrong view of FM. Maybe there are some other ways that we could view our gatherings in a wrong way. Phil, do you have any examples of that and kind of some answers back?
2: Well, yeah. I mean, well, well one, we know from our track record we are so prone to idolatry. Mm -hmm. so we could easily make an idol out of gatherings because we start to worship a person Mm -hmm. or we start to worship. Honestly, what we can often do is we worship our own preferences. Mm -hmm. So like when uh, there's this type of music or there's this type of preacher or there's Mm -hmm. this type of feeling or whatever, we can start to think, oh, that's when the Lord is pleased, you know? Mm -hmm. And so there's some, there could be some wrong ways to view our gatherings, even for apexers who are used to it, we could, we could build our view of worship around uh, our, our preferred thing that happens. And again, there's tons of ways that we could do that. And there's also ways that we could say things like, well, yeah, you know, a, the gathering, uh, I, I'm, I'm not a part of like anything else of the life of the church, but I come to, I come to a gathering every Sunday. Mm-hmm. And whereas I think like our gatherings are still beneficial, our gatherings are a part of what the church does. Mm-hmm. They're not the whole and they're not meant to be the whole. They're not trying to be the whole. So I think that's one of the things is I think we have a lot of people who come and maybe just attend on a Sunday. And I, I won't ever knock anybody for wanting to come to church on Sunday. That's a that's a, that's a a noble thing. Uh, I think part of the w- w- way that we could wrongly view a gathering is to say, all right, I checked that off my list. I'm good, mm, you know, yeah. um, because our... Nothing that the church does really is trying to help you check off a list and feel like you've done something good. (laughs) The purpose of the church is to help you understand you can't be good on your own. You need Jesus to be good for you in every area of life. Like from the way you do your job to the way that you raise your kids to the way that you sing a song. Like you need the Lord to be good for you in all those. So uh, I think there are some wrong ways that we could view the gatherings like that. It would be just like, whether we aim it at us and our preferences or whether we say like, you know, I came on Sunday, I'm good, you know, and that's, that's all there is to know. I mean, there's a hundred ways that we could do it, but it basically all just comes down to, we tend to make an idol out of things and Mm -hmm. our gatherings could easily become that if, Mm. if we're not walking in ready and expectant to actually hear from the Lord.
0: Mm. Uh, As we wrap up here, Kevin, maybe, um, You can just share something to encourage our parents
1: at Kettering. Well, let me encourage you with the word of God. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Psalm 127, three through five. Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. You know, today, one of the things you've heard us say a number of times is that we want parents to view their children as current or future brothers and sisters in Christ. And, you know, uh, parents are busy, life is stressful, and it's a lot of times it's easy for uh, parents to view their children as like an obligation, almost Mm -hmm. a burden. And, you know, when you're driving kids to three different things and you've got relatives to visit, and I would say even in our adult end of our body, at times even there are members who um, they have needs and you can almost feel burdened by them, you know, and again, if you're not operating the Lord's strength and you're just trying to feed them from your knowledge or what you've been through, not that that isn't helpful, but if you aren't pointing them to the Lord, it can really become difficult. So when we think about children, and I think there's, Phil, I really do think there's a a uh, parallel thought here with adults, is that we should be, especially as uh, parents here at Kettering, we should feel privileged that the Lord has Chosen us to steward these lives. Who are they? And it's, if it's through adoption, it's through some type of foster format, or obviously, you know, birthing your own children, mm-hmm. that it's a reward from God. Mm-hmm. And maybe on one of those days when <laughs> they threw up on the way to church <laughs> or they forgot to clean their room or whatever, it might be harder to look at them as a reward. But it really is that opportunity to help point another soul towards heaven. It's like God's giving you this chance. Um, You know, uh, in one of our recent parent commissioning events we had here in the gathering, which uh, many of you may view as or call it, you know, uh, baby dedication or parent-child dedication, we've landed on commissioning because we believe it's about challenging the parents, uh, uh, commissioning the parents that they've got this job to do with these kids and that that you're part of a local body that wants to support but we, uh, we literally gave out arrows last time in line of this verse. Mm-hmm. And it's like the, if the verse four says, like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. And to think about that, that you as a believer here, as a parent, if you can imagine not just like a whole list of carpools, a whole list of lunches to pack, a whole list of places you got to be, clothes to buy, meals to make, whatever. But you're drawing that bow back with your child, and you are launching them out into God's purpose. You're pointing them towards the Lord. And it's not just, I, I'll get through to age 18, and then I'm done. Mm-hmm. It's about, how am I discipling this child? How am I launching this arrow towards, towards the personhood of Christ? towards the work of Christ, our mission and vision here? Am I raising my four-year-old to just want to do well in school and get a job later and be a decent neighbor? Or am I raising that child because I've been given this gift, this opportunity from God to direct this child to impact this world with God and who He is? And I think about this last part. It says, blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. And we have a lot of four and five children homes in this church here, which... (laughs) God bless you, Brother Wing. (laughs) But it's it's just really a thought that if you want to be encouraged with all that's around you that may seem heavy and hard and defeating, is that God's actually armed you Hmm. to combat the King of this world. He's armed you to present His Son to this world. He has armed you to pull down strongholds in this world, to propagate the gospel. In other words, my kid who didn't take out the garbage, who didn't do their homework that night, who didn't get home on time, God gave me that child to help represent who he is. For I'm supposed to lead that kid to Christ, and then I am supposed to just say, this is your job, not not to be rich and have a big house, which there's nothing wrong with that because I'll need a place to stay. (laughs) I'm getting older here. But I just think parents, be encouraged that God's entrusted you with this opportunity. Mm. You know, you may not have gotten all you wanted out of this life. Maybe you weren't as tall as you wanted to or (laughs) rich or for some of us in this room didn't get all the hair we wanted. (laughs) But God did give you life. He gave you life and he gave you the lives of these children. Mm. And you get to help represent the Lord Mm. in your training and discipling of them. And I think that's pretty cool. Because that's an eternal opportunity he's giving you to impact. Mm. So That's
2: really good. I would just appreciate it if you could just turn down the conviction a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a little a little too intense for me right now.
0: <laughs> uh, Phil, what about you? How, how would you like to encourage the people that attend gatherings here at Kettering? Well,
2: I think the primary way that I would like to encourage the people um, who come and are a part of our gatherings would be to see themselves as part of the way the gospel is carried out when we gather Mm -hmm. there are a lot of things that i could say like hey be a really good singer you know or like (laughs) sing out with your heart or like you know listen uh, genuinely listen to the sermon or something or like you know there's there's serve on one of our 17 volunteer teams at a (laughs) gathering There's, there's tons of ways i could do that but when i was thinking through this was just kind of thinking through Man, if people would just see themselves... When they come here on a Sunday, if they would see that their time here on Sunday is part of how the Lord is displaying the gospel in the world, if they would see themselves as part of the way the gospel is being displayed, as opposed to just coming to receive something, but, to, but coming to be a part of something, coming to be a part of the way the gospel is displayed that day, um, I think we would see... We would we, we would see some gigantic things uh, um, in our gathering environment if every believer who was sitting in the room and I, and I would say in our in our gatherings maybe sixty percent maybe seventy percent of our crowd are believers maybe mm-hmm. um, um, but if those people saw themselves as agents uh, in the sharing of the gospel that day mm-hmm. as they saw themselves as partners, in the role of displaying this good news of the gospel, then I think that would impact the way that, you know, just coming in and sitting down and then leaving when we're done, Mm -hmm. you know, that it it would change that. It would change the way we view uh, our songs and our sermons and our stories that we tell. It would change the way we view, like, even how we're greeted. Mm -hmm. It would change the way we view greeting each other and seeing ourselves as part of the family and you know i i think there's a lot that would be impacted by that but mainly it would just be because we see ourselves as part of god's gospel mission Mm. um so i think that's if i were going to challenge the church family or encourage the church family it would be just to see themselves as part of how god is displaying the gospel
0: when they come this podcast got you excited for our catering gatherings we invite you to come check it out go to apexcommunity.org to find the times and location if you'd like to listen to our sermons go to apexcommunity.org slash sermons also if you'd like to hear some of our music check out apexscenes.com listen apex's mission is to make and multiply disciples with the gospel of jesus christ through the power of the spirit We envision God using every Apexer to join his disciple-making movement in reaching the greater Dayton area and unreached people groups around the world. If you'd like to learn more about us, go to apexcommunity.org. If you enjoyed what you heard today, make sure to subscribe. Also, for more stories and future episodes, visit apexanthologies.com. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Just search for Apex Community. By the way, it would be super helpful if you rated our podcast. That helps us show up on the search feed and gives us a chance for new listeners. If you have any questions or comments, please send us an email at apexcommunity.org. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks again for listening. See you next week.